Hey, Suspect listeners, thanks for joining me for another episode today. Again, I want to apologize for the delay in getting the episode out. I think everybody knows that everybody just has a lot going on. But regardless, I'm not making any more excuses for myself in 2021. This podcast is something that I genuinely want to grow like a business. So no more excuses. All 2021. You guys are going to get annoyed with me. I'm going to post so many episodes this year. I do hope that everybody's had a good two, three months into the new year so far. I know that there's still been a lot going on in the world, probably in our personal lives. And It's okay not to be okay. I guess that's just something I feel like I need to say because I feel like people get so caught up into this cycle of I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to follow my routine and I'm guilty of it as well. But please take a moment, pause wherever you are at in your life, your career, your relationship, whatever, fill in the blank. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to take a day or two for yourself. It's okay to ask for help. But yeah, how have you guys been? (laughs) I don't know why I'm talking like this is an actual phone call. I'm actually at work right now recording. I've just had so much going on and I was getting so stressed out. And then I get home from work and I have to clean and I'm tired and I just don't feel like recording. So no excuses anymore going forward. I will record at work if I have to. I will record on the way home if I have to. We are going to figure it out. I promise you guys more consistency all year from your girl. (laughs) So I do have a couple of announcements that I'm very, very excited to talk about. And if you are listening, I would really love your support. Um, It would mean so much to me. Just wanted to start off the podcast saying that because I personally needed that advice probably about a week or two ago, so I'm just going to repeat it to you guys, and hopefully maybe that will help somebody. I've been talking a lot on social media about creating merchandise or a logo or yada, yada, yada for the podcast, and I did so. I created a logo with the word sus for suspect on the logo. If you don't follow my Instagram at suspect podcast, you can go find that there. You can actually also find it on my personal Instagram at Katie underscore Kennedy with two D's. Um, The logo is all on there. Any kind of information relating to suspect, I will be posting on both my personal and the podcast Instagram. So whichever one is easier for you guys to follow or more aesthetic for your feed, please go over there and make sure that you're following so that you can see all the announcements that are coming and so that also that you'll be eligible for our giveaway. I know I've been talking about that in the last couple episodes and on actual social media, Um, I do just ask for your guys' patience with that. What I'm going to be doing is having a custom cup made, one of those nice tumbler cups that keep your coffee hot or your water cold um, for hours. That is what is going to be our giveaway. I'm not going to show pictures of it. It's still being created, but I'm very excited for that. I think it's going to turn out really, really great. The person that I have making it is somebody that I know from Florida. Her name is Cheryl, and she's had a little business doing these cups and a bunch of different artistic things for a couple years. 
So I actually already have one of her cups that she created for me a couple years ago, and it's very, very good quality. So I promise it's going to be the best quality. You want to make sure that you're on the Instagram because we're going to be picking from one of the followers on the Suspect Podcast Instagram to give the prize to. And everything will be free, nothing. I'll ship it directly to you or Cheryl will ship it directly to you once she finishes the design and you'll have a cup with suspect on it. It's going to look great. We've already talked about the design, sent her over my ideas. She kicked back a few ideas as well because she's very artistic. So trust me when I say that's not something that you guys really want to miss out on. Um, Also, when it comes to the merch and the logos and stuff like that, I did just get all of that ordered. I received it literally this week in the mail. I came home from work one day and it was there. So fucking excited about it. So I am going to be creating shirts and we have stickers just to start out with for merch. Um, Like I said, this is all new to me. So I'm kind of figuring it out as I go. I'm trying to grow this business by myself and really push this. Um, I'm very passionate about this. I love talking about these cases. I love interacting with my interacting with my listeners Just the whole aspect of the podcast world, really, I'm so passionate about. I feel like there's so much I could do here and so many different ways I can help. So if you guys are able to support in any kind of way with the merchandise, I'm going to have the website up probably by this weekend. I'm shooting for that. It will be posted on my personal and the podcast Instagram again as well. So be looking out for that there. Um, If you're not following or you don't use social media, in the next episode, I'll give you the website domain so that you're able to go check out that merchandise. But again, it's going to be shirts and stickers. The stickers are going to be going for about $4. Um, Pretty cheap. They're so cute. I put one on my laptop the other day. And honestly, I'm not trying to sound biased, but it's a fucking vibe. Okay, the logo is a fucking vibe. It looks so cool. I'm so proud of myself for it. So the shirts are going to be $20. I plan on doing different colors. They're really going to turn out cute. Hopefully by this weekend as well, I'll be able to make a little test promo shirt (laughs) to post on personal and the suspect Instagram so that you guys can kind of catch the vibe of the shirt, the style, yada, 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 whatever. If you guys have any specific color requests for shirts that you like, please send those to me, whether you know me personally or reach out to me on either Instagram and let me know the specific color that you want. Because right now I'm thinking black, white. I had somebody mention blue to me and maybe like a medium gray tone and possibly like a maroon or like a red, but We'll see. Like I said, that will all be up by this weekend. But please, please, if you're able to support in any kind of way, this is my dream and you would just be supporting that. (laughs) That's literally all it would be. Like I said, the shirts are going to be going for 20, the stickers for $4. If you have any more questions about that, feel free to reach out to me via email, text message, either Instagram. I'm down to talk, down to give you details. Um, if you're, I will say, if you're just going to be ordering a sticker um, for $4, it would probably be easier for you to Venmo me that so that I can just send that to you in a card and you don't have to pay for shipping for a sticker. So you're able, 
So you can go ahead and reach out to me if you want my Venmo name. But if you are planning on getting a shirt and a sticker or just a shirt, it's going to be a lot cheaper for you to order through my website. And they're not going to charge you a fucking shit ton for shipping. So yeah, please make sure you're looking out for that. Keep up with all that info on Suspect Podcast Instagram or Katie underscore Kennedy with two Ds. All that will be over there as well. And thank you in advance to anybody that does support. I promise I see you, I love you, and I will send you a little goodie in your shipping bag. So yeah, I think that's all the announcements that I had for right now. I just wanted to make sure that you guys knew about the shirts and the stickers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I'm sure a lot of you recently watched the Cecil Hotel documentary on Netflix. I think it was four episodes long and it covered the Elisa Lamb case, which I don't know if all of you are familiar with, but hardcore true crime junkies, you probably know exactly what case I'm talking about. Um, So that's the case I decided that I was going to do. I had actually thought about doing this case for quite some time. And then just never did. And then this documentary came out and I binged it all in one night on the weekend. I watched all of it on like a Friday or a Saturday night. And I just couldn't even believe the details they gave in that. I felt like I learned so much more than I even had known previously. So I started taking notes as I was watching the documentary like a fucking nerd. But it's fine. It's fine. So that's the case that we're going to be talking about today. I don't know if a lot of you know about the CISA Hotel, but a lot of weird shit has happened there, to say the least. And we'll talk about some of it when I'm covering the case, but you guys can literally go to Google and type in the CISA Hotel, and you will see a bunch of weird, fucked up shit that has happened there. Serial killers would take people there and kill them. A lot of people committed suicide, overdoses, just all kinds of morbid, weird, fucked up shit has happened there. So I really encourage you on your own time to go look up some of that shit if you're weird like me. And once you hear something, you have to know. (laughs) So I got my information for the Elisa Lamb case um, from a couple different places. We got it from Wikipedia Shout out to Wikipedia, my right hand, my go-to. I tell you everything. What's that Drake song again? I don't remember. (laughs) So I got it from Wikipedia, um, an Esquire article by Lauren Kronk, and then also the Netflix crime scene, The Vanishing at the CISO Hotel, which is the documentary that I was speaking about. It came out about maybe like a month ago. So definitely go watch that if you have not seen it. 100% recommend. Also go watch The Night Stalker if you guys haven't seen that. That's another one that came out about a month before that. But that shit is wild. That shit is so wild. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into today's case. You guys, please bear with me. I'm doing this on my phone at work and I fucked my phone screen up royally Monday morning. 
don't even know how it happened the way it did. Doesn't make sense, but there's like a fucking rainbow going across my screen right now. And it is, it is crazy. Like I am at work, obviously completely sober, no alcohol, nothing. And my eyes feel like they're like tweaking out when they're fucking not. It's just my phone screen. So bear with me if I fuck up. Cause I can't see all the words. <laughs> Okay, so a little bit about Elisa. Elisa is the daughter of immigrants from Hong Kong. She's a student at the University of British Columbia. So Elisa had been begging her parents for a really long time, a couple years, to take a trip somewhere by herself. And finally, when Elisa's 21, her parents are like, okay, okay, fine, but only on one condition, that you have to call us every day. Which Elisa's like, hell yeah, like, okay, call you every day, cool, whatever kind of thing. That was me at 16 with my parents, begging them to do something. And like, whatever they agreed and whatever the circumstances were, even if I was not going to do that, I fucking agreed to it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, if you do the dishes when you get home, yeah, 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 yeah. Did not do those fucking dishes. So Elisa plans a trip of the West Coast, and she's planning on hitting four major cities in California. For her trip to California, she travels alone on the Amtrak and inner city buses. She visits the San Diego Zoo, and she posts photos there taken on social media. And for those of you who have seen the documentary, you know this, but for those of you that haven't, will not, Elisa was very, very active on Tumblr. I'm sure most of you know what that is. That was my shit back in the day. That was a whole vibe. So that was where she was posting and she did like a lot of blog posts and like she was very, very active with her audience on Tumblr and just with stuff that she was posting and talking about. So sorry guys, I didn't say it, but this is all taking place in 2013 Should have started off with that, but like I said, my phone's fucked up. Bear with me. So on January 26, 2013, Elisa arrives in LA, and I just picture her showing up, never been on a trip by herself, never really traveled like that by herself, and you go to LA. I've never been to LA personally, but I know how I felt when I came to Denver, Colorado for the first time compared to where I'm from. I was like, holy fuck, this is it. I and fucking living my best life. <laughs> so I can just imagine Elisa li- arriving in LA and being like, oh my fucking God, this is the best thing I've ever done. So it's said that Elisa checks into the Cecil Hotel, but the documentary reveals that the Cecil at this time had converted half of its floors to the stay on Main, which is supposed to be a more budget option friendly hotel. This was an attempt to market itself to travelers while maintaining its long-term residence on separate floors. While the two properties had different lobbies and entrances, the Cecil Hotel and the Stay on Main had shared elevators. Elisa was initially assigned to share a room on the hotel's fifth floor. However, her roommates complained about what the hotel's lawyer would later describe as certainly odd behavior and Elisa was moved to a room of her own after just two days. So let's talk about the CISO Hotel for a minute, just to give you guys kind of a background on this hotel. It opens for business in 1927. It cost $1.5 million to build and complete all the way through, which today is $15 million. So back then, that's a lot of money, obviously. This was like the fucking spot when it first came out. This was like 
a fucking Marriott or a Hilton or whatever, like some really pop it off nice hotel. And it costs a lot, a lot of money to build. So the Cecil Hotel has a reputation for death. More than a dozen murders and suicides have taken place in and around the Cecil Hotel since it opened in 1927. Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, was said to have been seen at the Cecil days before her murder, and the hotel served as a temporary residence to serial killer Richard Ramirez and Jack Unterweger at times. The Cecil will reveal to you whatever it is you're a fugitive from, says Steve Erickson, who's a journalist who spent the night in the hotel after Elisa's death. So Elisa had been diagnosed with severe bipolar disorder and depression. She was prescribed about four medications, Welbutrin, Lamatical, Seroquel, and Effexor to treat her disorders. According to her family, who supposedly kept her history of mental illness a secret, Elisa had no history of suicide attempts, although one report claimed that she had previously gone missing for a brief period. And Elisa is pretty open with this on her Tumblr page, on her Tumblr page, like I was telling you guys, where she was blogging and just making different posts. She's pretty open about like her disorders and how she's feeling and how it's causing her to think and spiral and all these different things. Anybody that has any kind of mental illness or mental health issue, you know what I'm talking about, how you just spiral and you're feeling all these different things. You feel 15 things at once or you're really, really sad or whatever the case may be. Elisa was very open with this on her Tumblr. She would write out these blog posts, speaking to her audience, telling them how she feels, where she is mentally that day. And all of this is still up, you guys. Her Tumblr page is still open. You can still go look at her Tumblr. Like, it's insane. I didn't write her username down, but if you Google Elisa Lamb Tumblr, I promise you it will come up and you can find this. So Elisa contacts her parents in British Columbia every day while she's traveling. On February 1st, 2013, the day that she was scheduled to check out of the Cecil and leave for Santa Cruz, her parents did not hear from her, and they called the L.A. Police Department. Her family then flew to L.A. to help with the search. Hotel staff, who say that they saw Elisa that day, said that she was alone. Outside the hotel, Katie Orphan, manager of a nearby bookstore, was the only person who recalled seeing her that day. She was outgoing, very lively, very friendly, while getting gifts to take home to her family, Katie tells CNN. She was talking about what book she was getting and whether or not what she was getting would be too heavy for her to carry around as she continued to travel. Police searched the hotel to the extent that they legally could. They searched Elisa's room and had dogs to go through the building, including the rooftop. On February 6th, a week after Elisa had been last seen, the LAPD decided more help was needed. Flyers with her image were posted in the neighborhood and online. It brought the case to the public's attention through the media. On February 15th, after another week with no sign of Elisa at all, the LAPD releases a video of the last known sighting of her taken from one of the Cecil's elevators by a video surveillance camera on February 1st. And for anybody that has not seen this video, go watch it. It is so fucking eerie. It is so fucking eerie, so fucking like 
paranormal feeling to me. Like, I mean, I, I've had multiple different theories on these case, this case specifically, and I've changed it multiple times. And now I feel comfortable with what I think genuinely happened. But the first time I watched that video, I was like, there's no fucking way this is not paranormal. There's a fucking ghost out there. Somebody's out there like, go watch the video. You can find it on YouTube. Um, it's very, very eerie. So in approximately two and a half minutes of the footage, Elisa, who's still alone at this point, makes some pretty unusual moves and gestures. She leaves the elevator at one point while the doors remain open, even after she appears to have pressed every button after she first went in. When the doors fail to close after she comes back into the elevator, she leaves And then as soon as she walks out, the door closes. So in this video, what I mean by this is she's like basically coming in and out of the elevator. Like she presses all the buttons and the elevator's just not moving. So she walks out, elevator doors still don't close, comes back in, they still don't close. So finally she's like, okay, fuck this. It seems like, and she walks completely out of the elevator. And as soon as she walks out of the elevator, the doors close. So it just felt like, I don't know, very fucking eerie to me, like paranormal. (laughs) That's weird. Like, unless somebody was fucking with her, like, I just don't understand how that happened. Like, and if you go watch the footage, like, you'll see what I'm talking about. Due to Elisa's strange behavior, the video basically goes viral and it starts being analyzed and discussed by fucking everybody, myself included. So you guys go watch it. Tell me what your opinions are on it. I genuinely, I genuinely want to know what you think. Many people found the video very, very unsettling to watch. Several theories evolved to explain her actions. One was that Elisa was trying to get the elevator to move in order to escape from someone who was possibly chasing or trying to pursue her. Others suggested that she might be under the influence of ecstasy or some other party drug, but none of that's detected in her body when the autopsy report comes back. When her bipolar disorder became known, the theory that she was having a psychotic episode also emerged. Other viewers argued that the video had been tampered with before being made public. Besides the fact that it looked like the timestamp had kind of been fucked with on the video, people claim parts of the video also seemed to possibly have been slowed down and nearly a minute of footage had been discreetly removed. Theorizing that this could have been done simply just to protect the identity of someone who otherwise would be in the video, but had little or nothing to do with the case or to conceal evidence if Elisa's disappearance and death had been the result of a criminal act. During the search for Elisa, guests at the hotel began complaining about low water pressure. Some later complained that their water was colored black and had an unusual taste. And I just want to pause right here, okay? Who the fuck is going to drink black water? I promise you, if I go to the fucking faucet right now and I turn the sink on and it comes out black, you think I'm still going to taste it? No shit, it had an unusual taste. Your fucking water was black. That people just saw that the water was black and they were like, "Ah, mm, bottoms up. What the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with you? You're in L.A., walk somewhere and get a fucking glass of water or a bottle of water. Don't, I don't know. That's, that's fucking disgusting. That's all I have to say about that. What the fuck? Bottoms up. Bottoms fucking up. So in the morning of February 19th, 2013, 
Elisa's naked body was found in one of the four 1,000-gallon water tanks located on the roof, providing water to guest rooms, to the kitchen, and to a coffee shop. The tank was drained and cut open since its maintenance hatch was basically too small for them to use any kind of equipment to try and remove her body. On February 21st, the L.A. coroner's office issued a finding of accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. The full coroner's report, released not until June, stated that Elise's body had been found naked in similar clothing to what she was wearing on the elevator video that was floating around. And these clothes were not actually, like I said, she was found naked. So these clothes were basically just floating around her in the fucking water tank with a sand-like particle. And her watch and room key were also found with her in the water tank. Elisa's body was moderately decomposed and bloated. It was mostly greenish with some marbling evident on the abdomen and skin separation that was also very evident. There was no evidence of physical trauma, sexual assault, or suicide. Toxology tests came back incomplete because not enough of her blood was preserved. It showed traces consistent that she had only really been taking her four prescription medications that I mentioned earlier, and those were all, fa- uh, those were all found among her belongings as well, plus non-prescription drugs such as sinus medication and ibuprofen. A very small quantity of alcohol, 0.02%, was present, but no other recreational drugs at all. However, the hotel's fire escape um, could have allowed her to bypass those security measures if she or someone who might have accompanied her there had known about that. The investigation had determined how Elisa died, but it did not offer an explanation as to how she got into the tank in the first place. Doors and stairs that access the hotel's roof are locked, with staff having the only passcode and keys to those doors, and any attempt to force them open would supposedly have triggered an alarm. Apart from the question of how she got on the roof, others asked if she could have gotten to the tank by herself. And if you guys have seen this documentary or pictures of this, like, you would think the same thing. Like, this this little skinny girl, like, she's not big. She's not a big lady at all. All four tanks were four by eight foot cylinders propped up on concrete blocks. There was no fixed access to them and hotel workers had to use a ladder to even get up and look at the water. The autopsy report and its conclusions have also been questioned. For instance, it does not say what the results of the rape kit and fingernail kit were or or if they were even processed. Which is just like, You guys who have seen the documentary probably know, like, this is just sloppy work, it seems. But when you are sloppy, it makes people question everything you do. Like, that's where all these conspiracy theories and, like, where people start pointing fingers or asking questions. Because, yeah, like, your work was sloppy. You weren't organized. Like, it just looks like you're not actually doing your job when stuff like this happens. So since her death, her Tumblr blog was updated, presumably through Tumblr's Q option that allows posts to automatically publish themselves when the user is away. Her phone was not found with her body or in the hotel room. It had been assumed to have been stolen at some point around her death. 
Whether the continued updates to her blog were facilitated by the theft of her phone, whoever took it, a hacker, or through the queue, it's, it's not known at all, nor is it known whether the updates are related to her death or not. In September 2013, Elisa's parents filed a wrongful death suit claiming the hotel failed to inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Elisa and other hotel guests and seeking unspecified damages and burial costs. The hotel argued that it could have not been reasonably foreseen that Elisa might have entered the water tank, and since it remained unknown how she got into the water tank, no liability could be assigned for failing to prevent it. In 2015, the entire case was dismissed. The circumstances of Elisa's death have been compared to plot elements in the 2005 horror film Dark Water, in that film, an American remake of an earlier Japanese film of the same name based on a 1996 story by Koji Suzuki, a mother and daughter basically move into a rundown apartment building. A dysfunctional elevator and discolored water starts coming from the building's faucets, eventually leads them to the building's rooftop water tank, where they discover the body of a girl who had been reported missing from the building a year earlier. And that is the case of Elisa Lamb. <laughs> I know that was pretty quick and to the point, guys, but I just wanted to make sure that I got an episode out. Like I said, there's way, way more information that you can find on this case from the Netflix documentary, from articles online. Look up all the fucking crazy shit that's happened at the Cecil Hotel because I literally, I could do a whole season on crazy shit that has happened at the fucking Cecil Hotel. And I would advise never to fucking go there. I would never fucking go there. Oh, and then another thing that I didn't mention is like, so the Cecil Hotel is not like, it's on Skid Row in LA. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. But basically, it's not a fucking good part of LA at all. And this is where she was staying. But the problem is, is that the hotel was cheap. And when you're not from LA, you don't fucking know. So you just see a cheap hotel in LA and you're like, cool, LA, cheap, let's fucking do it. But it was a bad part of LA, Skid Row. That's like going to Jacksonville, Florida and staying off of fucking Moncrief or staying off of Sutel. Like, you're not going to fucking do that. Like, you're going to go stay in the nice part. But she just didn't know because she wasn't from there. So Skid Row, you guys can look up more information on this, but Skid Row is basically like the synopsis of it is where they try to force their homeless population to stay. So they literally have cops sitting on the outsides of this, making sure that like these people are staying like within this certain within this certain amount of blocks in the city. They want to detain all their homeless people there so that they can keep the rest of the city the way that they like. Which causes all of the crime and shit to happen within this certain fucking vantage point of the city because you're pushing all of these homeless people that are probably already pissed off, like the fact that they're homeless or they're upset or they're hurt or whatever the case is, you're pushing them into one fucking area. And then not only that, but like you're not allowing them to leave. So they're homeless. They don't have anything and now they can't even try to go do anything or fucking leave because the police are literally detaining them in these fucking blocks in fucking California. I don't know if I even explained that correctly, but go look it up. It's crazy. 
I don't know why I didn't mention that or why I forgot to write that down, but (sighs) so yeah, basically the case just stays ruled as an accidental drowning. Um, a lot of people have different theories on this. I, for a long time, thought it was some paranormal shit. Like there's just no fucking way that this girl did all of this kind of thing. But now after watching the Netflix documentary and doing a little bit more research, I do unfortunately feel like it was just a psychotic episode. And I hate that, that that happened to her. I bet she felt so alone and she was so scared in those moments. And she just was not in control of her own thoughts or brain, um, which is just like the worst thing. I personally do not have bipolar disorder, but I do have anxiety. So I can kind of relate to how it feels when your mind just starts to spiral and you don't feel like you're in control of your thoughts at all. So it just makes me really sad that that is how she spent her last few moments. It was said that Elisa had possibly stopped taking her medication, which is why she experienced the psychotic episode, because even though they did find the medication in her system, um, I did see an article or two, and I think they mentioned it in the Netflix documentary, that it's possible that she had stopped taking it completely within the time that she had been in L.A., um, and that's what caused it, but oh, man, it's fucking tough. Don't fucking stay at the Suso Hotel. Do not fucking go there, okay? I don't care. Weird shit happens there. Like, I just get bad vibes from that place. Like, even if they didn't have anything to do with her death and it was this psychotic episode, it's like, that is bad energy there. I just feel like that's bad fucking energy. I don't want to go there. Stay away from bad energy whether it's a hotel, a person, whatever the fuck, but yeah. Like I said, please go look up all of this information. Again, if you find any additional information that maybe I did not mention on today's episode or that you thought I might be interested in, please send it to me. I love learning. There's never going to be a time where I don't want to learn more, regardless of what that's about, regardless of whether it's about a true crime case, true crime case, somebody else's community, somebody else's culture, like yada, yada, yada. I love to learn. I will never, ever stop grasping for that. So yeah, that is, that's, that is my biggest piece of advice to you guys. Please do not speak on anything unless you are fucking educated on it. Thank you guys for listening to the episode this week. Like I said, I'm sorry. This was kind of quick and to the point. I'm literally at work recording this on my phone. I think my next case is going to be really cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Katie's Law. Katie's Law. That's right. I said it. My name, Katie. Katie's Law. But I'm going to be talking about a little bit, not a little bit. I'm going to be talking about the case that actually single-handedly is the reason that that law exists now today and it's actually just a really interesting story I looked it up a long time ago because they just had my fucking name in it but again guys if you want to support the podcast in any way with a sticker or a shirt you can reach out to me personally or you can just stay tuned for the website drop hopefully by Sunday fingers crossed But please make sure that you're following my personal and the podcast Instagram at Suspect Podcast so that you can see when all of that information drops and you can be one of the first people to grab one. Um, I have a specific number of orders that I'll be able to do until they sell out. So once those sell out, there will be about a three or four week turnaround period. 
until I can ship out more while I'm waiting for the materials to come in the mail again. So please keep that in mind. If you want one now, make sure you're on it quick. If not, you might have to wait about three or four weeks. And I do apologize for that. I promise the more orders I get, I will be ordering in bigger bulk orders. But as for right now, I'm just ordering what I need. So thank you again in advance to anybody who buys a sticker or to anybody who buys a t-shirt. You guys, it it would just make me so happy. Like I just appreciate all the support and all the love that I get from people. I get so many uplifting comments, people telling me that they look forward to the episodes, people telling me that they just find comfort in listening to me talk. And it is just the best feeling. (laughs) Like You guys are so sweet and it makes me feel like I have friends, even though in reality I have like two. So thank you to all my friends that are listening to this right now. Thank you to all my listeners. I genuinely, genuinely appreciate you guys. And please, like I said, check out the Instagrams, personal and suspects. Be on the lookout for that website. Be on the lookout for the next episode. I'm hoping to get this out by tonight so you guys can listen. And please, like I said, any additional information that you have regarding the Elisa Lamb case, send it over to me. I'd love to learn more. Make sure you guys check out that Netflix documentary about the Cecil Hotel. It's very, very good and fucking wild. My mouth was open like the entire time I was watching it. So I definitely recommend it. And also, I want to encourage all of you to please, please educate yourself before you speak on things. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that This is something a lot of us have learned within the last year, but it's something that a lot of us have still not learned, unfortunately. Um, Please just educate yourself on whatever the fuck you think you want to talk on. Do not open your mouth to speak on anything if you do not have the facts or the data to back it up. Let your opinions be your opinions, but let the facts be the facts. That is it. You can feel very strongly about whatever you think or whatever you feel, but that doesn't mean that it needs to come out if it is hateful, if it is vile, if it is disgusting. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. And I'm not somebody that will tolerate an uneducated person spewing their opinions. I cannot handle it. It is something that makes my blood boil. (sighs) Let's just take a deep breath together, guys. We're all going to make this a better year than 2020 was for us. I'm manifesting that for myself, for anybody who is listening to this right now. We're going to grow. We're going to learn. And we are going to succeed this year. Say this to yourself every day. We got this. All right, let me hop off here. I'm just talking about random shit. But But seriously, thank you guys so much. I really do appreciate you. Until the next episode, please wash your hands, wear your face mask, and educate yourselves. I don't fucking know what else to say on that. I love you guys. Bye-bye-bye.